love y'all. I am Chris Chows, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. We got a treat for y'all tonight, man. We are joined by the myth, the man, the legend, Mr. Jake Hubman. What's going on, buddy? Well, you know, I finally get away from having to make 64 million videos a week. So, hey, why not hop on the podcast? Haven't done this in quite a while. Yeah, why not, man? You know, it's always good to have you here. You know, we chop up some football. We cuss each other a little bit. It's always good. Absolutely. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's why I'm here. Me too. Somebody said somebody said I could curse at Chouse, and I'm like, sign me up. You know, you could drop the f bombs all you want, man. I think I had a record of 20 f bombs in one show, so we can. Oh, you must have been heated. I was heated, man. I was very heated. It must have been uh, defending the Bills. (laughs) Always, man. Always got to defend my Buffalo Bills. Everyone's a hater nowadays. Can't handle it. They're 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 falling off the bandwagon quick. Don't even come on back on the bandwagon if you leave. That's I've right. Been, I've been on it since the, the bad days of JP Lossman, man. I deserve some some love and respect. Too many people out there buying Mac Jones jerseys right yeah, now. I, I see that, man, and I don't like it. We're going to burn them down. Wow. Since you're back on, man, you want to air some grievances? You got some grievances you want to air? Like, because do you got some problems uh, with you people? Let's see here. I, I hate week 18. Mm. Can we start off with that? People who play in leagues that are week 18, I get it. I have somebody left me a comment this week saying, hey, uh, ESPN defaults to a two-week championship, including week 18. So a lot of people are playing in week 18s that they had not expected to, Mm. which absolutely sucks because trying to figure out what's going to happen in a week like this, you can't believe coach speak because everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, we're playing our starters. Like hell you are like, you don't need your starters to beat the Detroit lions this week. Mm. Like we, we know better with some of these things and this just makes it a nightmare to try to help people out because honestly, week 18 is nothing but a huge guessing game. I can't handle it for points for it, man. If we're talking about that, I took one on on the chin this week because of all this COVID nonsense. And I mean, when you talk about week 18, like, okay, green Bay, they said they're going to play their starters. What does that mean? Does that that mean one quarter? That's, that's all you're going to do today. And then, and that's it. Yeah, they're going to come out and play a couple series. Rogers going to throw a touchdown, and then you're never going to see him again until the playoffs. <laughs> Same thing with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, I was just going to say, man. And Devontae Adams. They'll all play one series. They'll they'll hold by their word of starting their starters, but they're not going to finish that game. There's no way. Yeah, man. You got enough problems with Aaron Jones on a good week, let alone week 18, man. You know they've been saving him for the playoffs. And if you think about it, if they were playing for a position, if they could lock up the number one seed with the win, Okay, I somewhat see it, but they got it already. Like, what are you even worried about? It's it's not worth you know taking the risk. You lose Aaron Rodgers right now, you ain't winning the Super Bowl. That's correct, man. And uh, you know Lafleur, he he wants to win this time. I think, I think they're resting, and I think we're going to see a lot of that. But speaking of resting and uh, maybe restless, Antonio Brown, are we calling Dear him? God. Are we? T- yeah, right. Are we calling him Clown Tonio again? Because. Okay, right now, let me just let me set this up for you so I can get your opinion, because uh, the way that you saw the whole thing, everyone saw mm-hmm. the whole thing. Everyone's making fun of it on, on Twitter and company, but he had eight more catches to get to unlock three hundred thirty thousand. He had fifty five more receiving yards to get another three three hundred thirty three thousand. He had uh, what one receiving TD to unlock the final bonus, which would have equated to one million dollars. Bruce Arians told reporters that uh, Antonio Brown didn't indicate that he was injured and it was obvious. uh, It was obvious what had happened. And he left the field uh, Arians as I don't care a bunch of, I do care about a bunch about him. I'm I'm butchering his quote, but it doesn't matter. But Tom Brady went, went to his defense and he says, I would hope that people would have some empathy and be compassionate on the situation and things are that on the things that are happening. Um, He hopes that everyone can find a way to give him the help that he requires. 
and that's kind of uncool. But then you kind of see after the fact, the reports are coming out saying that Antonio Brown was injured and was some doctors shouldn't even have cleared him to play. So to me, all of this back and forth, it, at first I thought, okay, they didn't want to pay him his money. But then when he left the field the way he did, I mean, he basically retired from the NFL like that, uh, jumping without a shirt on. I mean, what is your take on this whole thing? Because I was a little bit on uh, Antonio's side after I heard, you know, they're trying to push him to play. He was injured. And then they told him he was cut on the sideline. So then he, I was like, hey, I'm on Antonio's side. Then Bruce comes back and says, well, you know, we didn't say anything to him. He just flipped out. So I don't know where are you standing. Uh it's weird. Like when you think of Antonio Brown and you think of all the craziness that he has, he has done over the last couple of seasons. Had you told me that Antonio Brown would basically retire mid game by getting half naked and running through the end zone, doing jumping jacks. I would have thought that was even a little bit too extreme for Antonio Brown. Like I was yep. like, nah, the guy's past that, but he's, uh, he's apparently not. And I'm not going to make light of any mental illness, but this is to the point now where when you enable somebody, as much as you enable somebody, they're going to continue to make the same mistakes. And I hate to say that, but this guy has been given chance after chance after chance. And he just continues to show the same type of behavior. Now, obviously, yeah, if he needs, if he needs help, maybe Vontez perfect did knock something loose a long time ago. Maybe that's the case, whatever it is. Of course we want him to, you know, feel the best that he can be in the best mental state possible, but come on. I mean, the guy was the next day doing cameos. He was in the backseat of a taxi cab with one of these drivers they were hyping him up. He was courtside at a Nets game. I mean, it's not like the guy's just sitting in a hole somewhere. He made a choice. The whole situation Prior to that, he looked pretty good on the field. I mean, I'll watch some back some of the tape back. He looked pretty crisp in his routes. He was moving quick. He looked like he was okay. Whatever happened, maybe he injured it on the very last play that he was out there, whatever it may be. I it just it's weird. He had to have known how close he was to the incentive. Mm -hmm. He he didn't need very much more. And plus, there's still another week in the season to get it. He had plenty of opportunity. So it's obviously not about the money. If it is the injury why did he play to begin with? Like if, if he, if it was the injury was so bad, why was he even on the field to start the, it's just weird. And honestly, as crazy as it is, I will not be surprised when he is signed by somebody in the off season once again this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I, I'm baffled at the entire fabric of how it went down like everybody else's. I mean, nobody would have thought he, he would have just taken off all his shoulder pads, his jersey and ran off with no shirt on cheering to the Jets crowd. But I mean, I... It's one of these things that you make the way Tom Brady spoke as well is that he says, you know, he would like people to have empathy on the situation. When he said that, I was like, okay, he knows obviously he's in that locker room that there is more things underlining that likely are issues between him and Bruce Arians, AB and Bruce Arians than, than we know. And, and Brady was his biggest supporter. Brady was the guy defending him, wanted him in Tampa Bay again and got his wish. Cause Hey, it's the goat. It's Tom Brady. He gets a lot of his way, but I mean, now you kind of see it bubbling over to the top. Now you even saw Mike Evans trying to calm him down to not take his stuff off and leave. And then he just gave up and said, fine, you're, you just, you can't, talk to you right now is basically how it looked but I mean he looked like a guy kind of like he got fired it was like that uh what is it mm -hmm. that one movie where buddy's in the hamburger joint he's like fuck you fuck you <laughs> you're cool fuck you I'm out and that's kind of right that's kind of what it looked like right and and I I, I I struggle immensely they didn't even release him yet like that was the funny thing they said he's no longer yeah. technically he's still on the Buccaneers team so you wonder if this is semantics only so that he doesn't get put on someone else's roster because I guarantee you one of these playoffs teams would, would sign him up for the playoff run yeah i mean like i said when he's on the field i am not i don't know if anybody right now could convince me 
that if Antonio Brown played 16 or 17 games in the NFL and was not a head case, he would still not be a top five wide receiver. Like talent wise, even though he's getting up there in age, he still has it. Like he can still do it. And somebody's going to want that <laughs> next time. Somebody, somebody will take a stab on it and he'll go somewhere else. And then it's probably going to end up bad once again, but somebody will take whatever they can get out of Antonio Brown. Uh, even though it may not be an entire season, it's just crazy. I think Tom Brady has to say what he said because he's the face of the franchise. Mm. They're going to the playoffs. They're coming off a Super Bowl victory. He's trying to rally the troops around whatever he's got left to make another run this year because he know he doesn't have very many runs left. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think he's just trying to to hold on to the reins. I, he can't come out there and and bash Antonio Brown. All that's going to turn into is a circus. Uh, in the media, they're going to be going back and forth on social media. Nothing good will come of it. I think Brady said what he had to, but I think on the inside, Brady's Brady's pretty pissed. I think so too. He handled it with class because that's what Tom Brady does. But I could see if they if they release him, Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a guy. Oh you know, he's a guy that likes to take second chances on these yeah. players. And Antonio Brown to the Kansas City Chiefs. I would not be surprised. I would love him to actually. I wouldn't love him to come to Buffalo because he's a head case. He didn't want to come last time anyway. Yeah. So the hell with you, Antonio. Yeah, he t- turned you down once already yeah man that's like, that's like that girl at the bar you tried to pick up twice and she cut you twice and i wouldn't know i never had that happen <laughs> see that's what i'm saying the man the myth the legend you see how this, works? Right. this guy is unreal man jamar chase speaking of unreal wide receivers he goes bananas nuclear on uh sunday 11 for 266 and three touchdown receptions that one he caught man I mean, I, we knew he was damn good, but that one that he caught, he was in the middle of that zone, planted, Burrow hit him perfectly. He does have one little sidestep juke, and then the afterburners, man. I knew he had jets. This was like six gear in a Viper. Like, that's how fast he was. And, and I mean, nobody could catch him, and his day is just unreal. But adding to the day... He is now the league leader in rookie wide receivers in one single season, 1429 in yardage. JJ was 1400 even. Anquan Bolden, number three, 1377. Randy Moss, 1313. And number five, OBJ, 1305. Does uh, you see a little correlation here? Three LSU wide receivers in the top five rookie wide receivers. Unbelievable. That's crazy. And what's even crazier is I need to go back and actually pull the video. But before this season happened, you and I did a rookie yes. projections video. And in that video, I want to say we put Jamar Chase right around 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. And a lot of people thought that we were absolutely nuts, ourselves included. Yep. And I thought that was a little high. Yep. And it took a huge it took a huge week for him to get close to that. Obviously, there's still another week left, but I don't know if he plays the entire game or not. But the kid is unreal. I mean, LSU just continues to churn him out. And you think about it, if you had to choose as of right now, like, Look at who these guys played with in college. So you have you have Jamar Chase, who was there with Justin Jefferson. We won't even mention Terrace Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Odell Beckham. He had Jarvis Landry. I mean, these are these are some stud wide receivers. And you think about it, it's hard to picture it right now. But in their prime, who would you have rather had? OBJ and Jarvis or Justin Jefferson and Jamar Ooh. Chase? Oh, that's a good one. And that's a hard question because everybody has their recency bias against Odell Beckham and and Jarvis Landry right now. Landry can't stay healthy. Beckham's been a head case, but their first two years in the league, they were just Jarvis. I mean, I'm straightening this out. Jarvis didn't, wasn't really given a chance in Miami, but he was doing everything that was asked of him very well. So, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't really getting number one volume like he should have been, but he was doing it really well in Miami when he was drafted. But Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase, these dudes 
I they're another built, planet, man. And they're built to like sustain this. They're not little guys. They're not going to take these big hits. The way that they play the game, they avoid the big hits. And uh, the way they get the ball contested catches and the 50-50 balls, there's not very many cornerbacks in the NFL that can stop these guys. And it's fun to watch, and it's even more fun to watch because Jamar Chase gets Joe Burrow, his college quarterback, for the next decade throwing him the football. This guy could break all kinds of records. Man, it's... It, I. I, I love it so much. I hate it because they're on the Bengals. I wish they were on a team that I really liked. But I mean, it makes hop on you, the bandwagon. I'm I'm hopping on, man. I'm ju- I'm just gonna say because I mean they they're so fun to watch. They're so dynamic to watch. And when you go back and say who do you want more, the funny thing is. Uh, you talk about OBJ and Landry. I did a piece way back when we, we were dropping articles on the website and I did that piece on OBJ and Landry. And the funny thing is when they were playing in LSU, Landry was the leading uh, receiver over OBJ at the time and, and their skill sets just helped each other so well. Mm-hmm. But that's why you don't understand why it didn't work out in Cleveland because you're like, these guys should be able to do what they did back in LSU. The coaches just didn't understand. When it comes to yeah. JJ and Jamar, they're so alpha wide receiver they don't need anybody else. But if you pair these guys back up on the same team, you know that the both of them are going to feast because look what T. Higgins is doing, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. Look what even uh, Tyler uh, Boyd, he, he's, he's going to be almost a thousand yard wide receiver. That's three yeah. from Joe Burrow this year. I mean, they're just they're so good and so fun to watch. Chase, to me right now, I mean, he's in another another stratosphere of wide receivers, especially for fantasy football. Yeah, and he's as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be. I haven't done my 2022 rankings yet. I haven't gotten that far, but dude's going to be way high up those records. I'm going to, I'm probably not going to have a lot of him in redraft because he's going to start being drafted way too early when I'm wanting to get my running backs. But he is definitely somebody who I have no issues with for, for years to come in Cincinnati. Yeah, man. Right now, late first round, uh, early second round for Chase and JJ. I mean, that's, that's pretty fair for me and how they're going to be drafted, man. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it's going to depend too, like what happens in Minnesota, like what happens when Kirk Cousins leaves, if he leaves, if they let him, whatever it is, like what happens then? Because we heard the reports here this past week. <laughs> I mean, they have no issue or no interest in Kellen Mond, apparently like the, the dude Ouch. is on the roster. He's getting yeah. paid, but they have no interest in watching him play football. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you turn to Sean Mannion. There is no backup plan. If if you weren't going to use Kellen Mond, why did you draft the kid anyway? I, I just, it's confusing. And it's the same thing you could kind of say now with Pittsburgh, right? If Big Ben leaves, what do we see in Pittsburgh from Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool? Or does Juju come back? A lot of other questions, but what happens to those guys? We don't even know who's going to be the quarterback yet. Same thing can be said. And I hope that's not something that limits the career of Justin Jefferson is just bad quarterback play. I'm hoping he's kind of one of those outliers like a DeAndre Hopkins that can just produce with anybody, but there's very few of those guys. Uh, and until we see it, it's going to be kind of hard to trust if, if Kirk Cousins were to ever leave there. Yeah, and it's tough because we're uh, I have that same opinion of Terry McLaurin. And I mean, he yep. had a sh- he had a shit the bed season after like week nine and week seven. I mean, his statistics completely dropped off and it's because Heineke couldn't get him the ball. They understood double team him and and that was it. That was game yep. over. So you, you maybe, you know, Terry's not necessarily in the same class as Chase and Jefferson, but I mean, he's very close and he's a he's an alpha wide receiver. But yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, everything is going to change 
change this offseason, and it's going to be uh, very, very interesting to say the least. But, you know, Kyle Pitts, he is an interesting man right now because he is the first, if you guys missed it, the first rookie tight end in 60 bloody years to go over the 1,000-yard mark. Mike Dick, I think, was 1081 way back in the 60s. And, I mean, he was – we expected this of, of – Kyle Pitts, uh, quote unquote, generational, talented tight end, you know, kind of the uh, hybrid tight end wide receiver because he's not a, a efficient blocker whatsoever. How many times we saw him taken off the field, you know, when they're going heavy mm-hmm. set and run because he just can't block. I mean, it's just not part of his game. He's got work, some work to do, needs to round that out. But I mean, as we see, he only had w- the, the negatives, even though the 1000 yards is a massive positive. I think he had what, 68 receptions. But the negatives, man, one touchdown scored this season. And I get it. It's this offense that really was anemic, man, to say the least. I mean, you had uh, the the breakout for Patterson. That kind of ate up a lot of the stuff. But the touchdown productivity just wasn't here for Matt Ryan. And if it was, he was always looking in a different direction because Kyle Pitts always double teamed. And he had eight games of 60 yards or less, which also led to, you know, a lot of garbage time production for Kyle Pitts. So are we saying, because for me, I had a discussion with my buddy and we were talking about him and he's he's of the opinion saying, you know, he's great, but, you know, for being dra- drafted in the, what, the top five, you got to be looking and expecting Jamar Chase type numbers because that's generational wealth and talent you need and value. He really didn't fit the bill, even though his numbers really do look good. They look good, but when you think about it, like how many rookie tight ends over the last 60 years got the opportunity that he got? And remember, he got this opportunity because Calvin Ridley opted out. Julio Jones was no longer in town. I mean, the the table was set for him to have an opportunity. And even though he didn't, like, blow the doors off, he still did pretty good. The problem is what you just said at the very end. He was drafted in the draft super high as a generational talent, but isn't given a generational chance for another another two or three years. He's just not going to be that guy. They... We can talk about Cordero Patterson, but Cordero Patterson wasn't even really looked at inside the red zone. He capitalized on a lot of short dump off passes. They weren't targeting him out of the backfield and he wasn't really running routes. So it's not like he was losing it to Cordero Patterson. They weren't scoring a whole lot in Atlanta. And when they were, when they were inside the 10, Cordero Patterson was running the ball in the end zone. So I like Kyle Pitts' talent. I, I hate to see the drops. I think he had five drops on the season. So far, that's not exactly... What I would like to see, I'd like to see that a little bit of higher. His yards, the thing for me, though, is the yards per target are huge. Yep. And it's like they're only targeting him deep down the field. He's not a safety valve for them. He's not a chain mover. He is a big play guy. And if that's how it stays, these are the type of numbers we're going to continue to see from him because he's going to be a little bit more big play dependent. And we're going to need those big plays. We're going to need that 60-yard catch down the sideline to give us those great fantasy days, to give him these 1,000-yard seasons because he's just not a guy as of right now in this offense, that's going to get enough consistent volume weekly to where he can go out there and just and just get it by volume. He's not going to be like a Darren Waller guy when healthy and just get fed with targets because there's no other options. They'll give it to someone else in Atlanta, which makes no sense to me, you know, spending this high draft pick. But the way this offensive uh, offense is right now, I don't see it. I don't see it changing anytime soon. Great season for him as a rookie, but I think this is kind of the. <laughs> As of right now, I think this is kind of the ceiling that we're seeing unless something changes in Atlanta. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one because, I mean, even Matt Ryan's future is going to be really up in the air on what they're going to do. I mean, we, me and uh, Chris were talking before about this last season saying it's time to blow up this Atlanta Falcons team. And then when they drafted Kyle Pitts, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, really, I don't understand. You you want to like kind of compete, but you don't. And I mean, that this has been the same kind of mantra for the last three years. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to be? And then when you said to the great point of saying, you know, they're utilizing him as this big play guy like he is a Julio. I mm-hmm. think that's that's wrong. Like, fine. Okay. Can he do it? Sure. Test it out against defenses? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But don't make that the, the one and only. He should be all over the field, over the middle, over the sides, you know, and unless, you know, they feel he can't do all those things, which oh, I've seen him do it. It's not, not a question. Can he do it consistently? One thing that did bug me was, I, I can't remember what week it was. It was, it was a, uh, probably the halfway point of the season when they played the Panthers. And the Panthers literally, that was when Calvin Ridley was first out. And they said, the hell with this. We're going to let you beat us with everybody else on the field, but not Kyle Pitts. And they double teamed him all bloody mm-hmm. game and that was kind of the book placed on him and I think that kind of aided in in kind of the numbers you know being what they were you know allow him to get him in garbage time but he's not going to beat us uh, during the the stand of the game and when you think about it when you think back of Kyle Pitts all the big plays this season that I can think of all came down the sideline yes. like they were all big plays down the sideline they're keeping him outside so much and even though he has a size advantage on a lot of these defensive backs in football they're they're very athletically talented. I mean, they can still get their verticals are huge. Yeah, sure. Kyle Pitts may got him by four or five inches, but these guys can still contest these balls. Pitts is great at you know contested catches, but they're not giving him those opportunities to really utilize what his best skill set is, is like yards after the catch, really. I mean, get him the ball across the middle. You think of guys like over the last few years, like Gronk. Mm. Brady utilized Gronk over the middle of the field all the time because he knew that if you didn't have a safety over the top, what whoever was playing linebacker could not hang with Gronk. And they they just were not going to do it. And that's how they need to be utilizing Kyle Pitts. And they're not. They're too busy putting him on the outside, trying to replace Julio Jones, instead of putting him in a position to be the best possible asset that they could have for their offense. And that's why I kind of said that his ceiling is somewhat capped with what his role is right now. Maybe this was the training wheel season. Maybe next year they just let let him loose. But until that happens... I think that he could be capped in in this offense with the way that they're utilizing him. I don't like seeing him on the outside all the time. Every once in a while, sure. Sure, absolutely. Create those mismatches. Pull the defensive attention somewhere else. Put a safety over the top on pits. Keep yourself one-on-one coverage somewhere else. I get that. But to do it like all the time is just like you've, you've telegraphed what your game plan is. And now teams can just scheme for the same thing every week as well. We know we know what Kyle Pitts is going to be doing. Yeah, man, sit in the slot, go deep on the sidelines, and we'll air it out four times a game. Like, how I, many I linebackers or nickel nickel corners could hang with Kyle Pitts? That's right. Uh, no, maybe one. Maybe, sure. and I'll, maybe. I'm just guessing. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll put uh, Mika Parsons in JOK. Maybe. maybe in that category. Outside of that, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough stretch. But good season, nevertheless. It's going to be interesting to see what the Atlanta Falcons do this offseason. That's for darn Skippy, man. Speaking of Skippy, Russell Wilson, man. You hear what they're talking about? Peanut butter. No, (laughs) Skippy, peanut butter, man. It's good stuff. Hey, hey, chunky peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? I got to go creamy, man. Okay, go. I, I, can't, go. I can't virtual, handle this. virtual fist bump, my friend. You may <laughs> I continue. I can't handle the chunks and stuff, man. It's yeah, just not neither. good, man. I, I, I don't like chunks of nuts in my mouth like that. It's just uh, weird. Nuts in the mouth are never a good idea. Never man. good. Thing. Never good. Anyway, man, <laughs> some NFL executive. He comes out. I don't know if you saw this. Russell Wilson. It says, quote, team should assume that Russell Wilson is a declining player, man. And I was like, wow, someone actually is coming out saying that. But here's the thing. 
Do you agree with that comment or how I kind of was thinking about it after the fact was, are they setting this up? Is this a little bit of his agent going out there being like, hey, start dropping these a little bit so the, the price can go down a little bit so we can get him out of Seattle? Because we know his wife, Sierra, she wants to go somewhere like New York to get her career back up and going because she's she's done with the baby thing. I don't know, man. I think that this is a little bit of a agent talk, you know, to get Russ out of Seattle. I I could see that. But how many situations are out there that he would really want to go to? I mean, okay, you talk about New York. You're not going to the Jets because they just drafted Zach Wilson. So that leaves you the Giants. And I'm fine with the Giants, you know, giving up on Daniel Jones because he blows. Yep. But is that like the situation he wants to go to? I mean, if he goes there, are they immediate contenders? I can't say that they are. They got plenty of weapons. Mm-hmm. You got Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley. Okay, on paper it looks good, but it looked good on paper the last two preseasons and hasn't worked out there because nobody can stay healthy. I don't want to say that Russ has like lost a step, but the Russell Wilson we're seeing here this year is not the same Russell Wilson we've seen over the past few years. He's still good. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely up there in the, the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL, mm-hmm. but he's not that guy that just takes over anymore. He's he's a little bit more Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I mean, like Ooh. he's just a well, and it's just because it's consistent. Like you know sure. what you're gonna get. You're gonna get 225, you're gonna get two touchdowns a game, and he's probably not gonna turn the ball over very much. You can say the same thing about Kirk Cousins. Sure. The the difference is, is he's got playmakers, big playmakers in Seattle with Lockett and uh with DK Metcalf. Could he have that in New York? Maybe, but I mean, none of those guys have shown any any ability to stay healthy for years. I mean, Kadarius Tony in his first year doesn't have much of a chance, but it seems like every time he touched the field, it was a different injury. And Kenny Galladay has been banged up for years. So, do you want to go there and have all that pressure to perform and have a team that doesn't perform with you? I I could see him wanting to leave. I don't know if I'd want to live in Seattle personally, if that's what their main goal is, is to maximize everything else outside of football. But I just don't know if New York is the place. I I don't know if there is a place that would be, where's it going to be a better situation for him? I can't, Maybe Denver, maybe. May, I mean, I would not hate that. I, right? I think that. I think that that would, we're also fantasy football greedy when we say that. <laughs> yes, we are. Because that would definitely benefit Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, and the running game as well. Vontae, yeah, Vontae yeah. would go up huge. So, I mean, I like that, but is that appealing also? Now he has to go to a division, and is he ever going to win that division? Mm. I mean, that division is going to be stacked for years. When's the next time he's going to have a chance? And and at that stage of his career, he's at that point of being a quarterback, he just wants to win. Yep. And, and I don't know if you're going to compete for very many Super Bowls if he goes to Denver. No, fair enough. I... I... Atlanta, there's one. I did. That's the crapshoot, just like Seattle was. I mean, it's a tough one, man. Do you go to Houston and then Deshaun is out the door? I mean, do you go to Pittsburgh with Ben out the door? And I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh would make more sense to me. I think sure. that I think that Pittsburgh would give him the best opportunity to win right away because we had this conversation earlier in our group chat mm-hmm. about Najee and the offensive line in the in the play. I think as long as you still have a quarterback back there that is capable. The offensive line sucks, but it's not – it's like a bend-don't-break type offensive line. They're they're not great. But if you get a Russell Wilson and then you spend the entire offseason just trying to build around the offensive line, you're talking about a team that has 
I mean, how many years straight has Tomlin is like 15, 16 years without yeah. a losing ring? I mean, that's Unreal. ridiculous. ridiculous. And do you think all of a sudden they're just going to turn the keys over to Mason Rudolph and they're going to go four and 13 next year? I don't think so. Like, I don't see that happening. Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. I would hate it because I don't like the Steelers very much, but uh, that would make some sense because you go there and you got Najee and you got Deontay Johnson, you got Chase Claypool. Do the you move? Yeah, you got the Muth exactly. Do you yep. do you get Juju back on a cheap deal once again? I mean, there's just so many options there where they're not. The defense can step up. They got playmakers. We already know that. If they just address the offensive line and, and Russ goes to Pittsburgh, all of a sudden you're still a contender like right away because look at the division they're in. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to say that Baltimore is declining. I think a lot of that had to do with injuries this year, but Cleveland kind of falling apart. Their window is almost closed. Baltimore kind of goes as Lamar goes. And honestly, if these injuries keep racking up, he's going to be a liability moving forward. And then you got Joe Burrow. Okay, well, Joe Burrow and that team, they're going to be good for a long time. But that doesn't mean that two teams from that same division can't make it to the playoffs. And I think Pittsburgh gives them a pretty good shot. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that, you know, the, the point on the offensive line, because remember last year's old line that they blew up, it was it was more predicated to keeping Ben up uh, upright. And, and it, it, it hampered the run game. That's why their run game sucked. So this year, they, they got rid of everybody on that offensive line, basically, and made it a run first offensive line. And guess what? You, didn't, you had a big Ben who was older than dirt, statuesque back there. And I mean... When you bring a guy like Russ Wilson, I agree with you. If you uh, bring Russ to Pittsburgh, improve the O-line, you know, that's having your cake and eating it too. Even if Russ comes there and they're not able to address the O-line. We've seen Russ play with such garbage O-lines in Seattle anyway for how mm. many years? All you need is a defense that can give him the ball back. You need wide receivers that can make plays and a healthy run game. And that's what you got in Pittsburgh. You put Russ in that team, on that team, they, to me, are instantly back in the Super Bowl conversation. And it, when it comes down to saying Russ is a declining talent... I really struggle, man. I'm kind of on the fence with that. I still believe he's got two good years left, and then maybe we'll see a decline. But I think, you know, he needs a change of scenery, and we could see him elevate his career, a.k.a. Brady and Tampa Bay type deal, where, you know, he he feels rejuvenated. Like, Tom's a different guy in Tampa Bay. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, he's loving life out there. And if you put Russ on a team like Pittsburgh, new change, new coach, you know, different outlook, you know, not the old Pete Carroll, you know, ground and pound with no running back and, you know, just going nine routes with DK. Like, we need some creativity for Russ. I think it's stagnating in his head a little bit, and it's turned into mush. He just needs a new new scene and i think part of it is i mean when you look at his stats from this year he's got he was he's going to end up with now yes he missed a couple games but he's going to have the lowest completion percentage he's had since 2017 Mm -hmm. he's going to have the fewest passing yards of his career he's going to have close to a career low in passing touchdowns now the interceptions we know isn't an issue he's protected the ball pretty well here this year he's not running like he used to so I think just people look at the overall numbers and like, yeah, Russ isn't what he used to be. I, I somewhat see that, but I don't think it's because it's a, a loss of talent. Right. I think it's just a difference in the way the offense has had to, to work because of injuries and everything else they've dealt with in Seattle. It's not just Russell Wilson isn't good anymore. I just think he's being asked to do things differently than he has been in the past. And on the, on the surface, it makes it look like Russ is a declining talent. I the talent is still there. He's just not the performer that he used to be. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue. And I mean, the finger injury to me also set him back. And I think that needs mm-hmm. to be taken into account because that was what, like a eight week, 10 week injury. He got back in like six. So, I mean, you know, he played hurt the whole time and that's his throwing finger. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take that into a little bit of a consideration too. I still, I, I, if I'm the NFL executive, you know, yeah, fine. You're going to say, I'm not going to give up three first round or two first rounders for Russ anymore, but a first and, and some change like a third and a fourth. I mean, that very possible to get him out of Seattle on that. Uh, and, and I think, on the on the flip, I think it is time for Seattle to kind of rebuild. I think they've been flirting also with this kind of like uh, mid level grade, you know, keep this ship going as long as we can. And, and I mean, it's just not working. And and you guys are going to be forever in that you know eight and eight or eight and nine now type of level seven and ten. And and what does that get you draft wise? It gets you purgatory, and it's not a good move for them. And I think you know they should really consider you know dealing Russ this off season. I mean, I, I can't see them being totally against it. I mean, I'm looking at his rushing numbers right now. He'll have the fewest attempts per game that he's ever had in his career, the lowest yards per game that he's ever had in his career. It's just not what he does anymore, and I think a lot of that has to do is because they're trying to protect him, mm. but I think he's still capable of doing it. If he was put in the right offense to give him a little bit more freedom, I guess, and he still had those playmakers. Like you said, Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense, and I – I think that they would be crazy to get rid of him personally, mm-hmm. but it would not surprise me if it happens. Yeah, fair enough. And I think we're, we're on the same page. I, I, it, it's going to be interesting because I think he does want out. It was funny that he said, you know, is this his last game in Seattle? And and once you start throwing that flyer out there, I mean, you know that this is going to be a hot uh, topic again this offseason about Russ Wilson getting traded. But and there's sp- nowhere else for him to go. I mean, I was looking through the list here. Like, yeah, nothing else really makes sense to me. I mean, he's not going to Buffalo, not going to New England, Miami. I mean, no, they need to stick with Tua. Jets got Wilson, then you got Burrow. Pittsburgh is the opportunity, not going where Lamar is at. Baker, I don't see does Baker leave? Does, does Cleveland let Baker go? So, I so mean, let's let's dive into that because I'm glad you brought them up. Let's dive into that because I know your boy is Baker. You got a lot of faith in Bake in the Bake Show, feeling dangerous, and I'm not here to cut you down. I just want to you know break this up a little bit because I I've kind of fallen off the Baker bandwagon a little bit, and now they they're shutting him down at week 18, get surgery on that labrum, that torn labrum. He's got a fully guaranteed 18.8 million dollars coming this next season for the Cleveland. Cleveland Browns. What is the path forward here for Cleveland? Because in my, so here's the thing, Cleveland, we know they've been dying for a winner for how bloody long, man. And everybody was excited, including me. I'll I'll say it too. You know, once they got all the pieces out, even when they went in the playoffs last year and challenged Kansas City Chiefs the way they did, we thought this year was going to be kind of a stepping stone for them as well. Did not happen. However, injuries did aside everything. We'll, We'll just sidestep that. What does Cleveland do in this instance? Because if you say, no, I don't want uh, Baker to be my starting quarterback, you're not going to release him because who else do you have to start? At least you know Baker Mayfield is a starting, quote-unquote, starting quarterback in this league right now. Unless you go and you do some crazy shit like trading Baker to Seattle for Russ Wilson, like with picks in exchange of players. What I mean, that would that would set everything crazy. Seattle kind of starts their rebuild, and Cleveland, you know, get, they get their hero potentially to you know take them to a Super Bowl run. Me personally, and you set it up here, and you you're gonna put me on the spot about Baker. Wait, I see how you know, you're gonna make my damn feathers ruffle here a little bit because here's the you. deal. Here's the deal. Baker is what he is that we saw in 2020. 
that is the Baker Mayfield that belongs in the NFL. And as much as this year was a disappointment overall in the play of Baker, I don't personally blame Baker as much for that because they're asking him to do more than he should be asked to do. Why did they excel in 2020? It's because they were supposed to run the football. They were one of the best rushing teams in all of football in 2020. What changed in the running game from 2020 to 2021? Nothing. Like Nothing. The, all the pieces were there still. The offensive line was still intact. Uh, you can actually say the offensive line got better. Uh, because of more experience uh, the next year. Uh, you had Nick Chubb. You started the season with Kareem Hunt as well. In 2020, the Cleveland Browns rushed the ball 495 times, which was fourth in the NFL mm-hmm. for 2,300 yards. When you look at this season and the Cleveland Browns and you pull it up, they rushed the ball 444 times for 2,200 yards. So their average stayed about the same, which right. is what it should be but their attempts were 50, 50 less. They ran the ball less in 2021, which means they had to throw the ball more. And if you have, if you give Baker that much pressure, he can't handle it. That is, Baker Mayfield is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Jones, but he is a very viable starting quarterback as long as you let him manage the game and not put too much on his plate. That's why he excelled in 2020 and why he didn't in 2021. What made just think about this last weekend? We were all sitting in our group chat talking about yes. why isn't Nick Chubb getting the football today? Like, what is going on? Like, I think I, I, I think I tweeted out like a hundred times. What where the hell is Nick Chubb at? Yeah, like is he hurt? Like yeah. everybody was even on the was it the Manning cast? Peyton Manning was even <laughs> saying, Is Chubb hurt? Like, yeah. where is he at? And if everybody is saying that, yeah, but Kevin Stefanski isn't putting him on the field and he's not hurt, like, what are we doing here? And then what we, are we doing? And then we throw Baker under the bus because he's throwing interceptions out there. Well, you're not running the ball. You're making him throw more than he should. I mean, when Baker is at his best, his sweet spot is like 25 to 30 pass attempts a game. You start getting him up in the high 30s, low 40s, guy's going to turn the ball over. That's just, he's too much of of a cowboy. He's a gunslinger. He thinks he can fit the ball in any window. And he can't. And he doesn't have the players on offense to, to bail him out all the time. I can sit here and argue with Kyle that Donovan Peoples-Jones or Jacoby Peoples-Jones or whatever the hell you want to call Jacoby this guy. Jacoby Peoples-Jones, yeah, I love I mean, that's what he is. I mean, he's it not is, yeah. a wide receiver, too. No, Rashad not. Higgins is dropping balls all over the place. Are we really going to rely on Anthony Schwartz at some point? I mean, come on. The guy isn't loaded with talent at the, at the pass-catching position outside of Jarvis Landry, who's been hurt most of the season. So yep. I, I don't – I have not written off Baker Mayfield as a viable starting quarterback in the NFL – if they continue to throw the ball like they are, they're going to have the same result that they had with Freddie Kitchens, and that's why they've struggled here this year because they put too much on his plate. Yeah, it's a great argument because, I mean, I uh, that's where we – you know me last year. We were talking about it, and I said once they start running with, Big, or with Chubb and Hunt – install the play action pass you install those rollouts this is what helps baker mayfield along the way this is what makes him successful he was a 70 percent completion passer at ou we know what he's capable of when you try to this is what i'll never understand even when this when i jump in the lab in the scouting booth i don't understand why uh, teams draft players 
that don't know how to use them or expect them to do things that they're not capable of doing. I will never understand this. You, okay, yeah, I got to take best player available on the board. Sure, no argument. Then adapt your system to the player, not the other way around. That's why guys like Bill Belichick win every freaking year because they understand that concept. I have to draft two tight ends, three tight ends this year. Guess what we're doing this year? We're going to run the ball and have three tight ends on the field. That's just what you do if you're a good coach. I don't know what Stefanski was smoking this season. I really don't. And and the fact that they didn't shut down Baker earlier, I, I don't know if this was a personal choice on Baker. Playing with a torn labrum, man, you can barely lift your fucking arm. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are. And, and, and he's out there trying to throw. I understand. It's going to make errant passes. However, what I see in Baker in the last four weeks is complete stripped of confidence. And this is a coaching, and I'm blaming the coaching staff 100% on that. If you're not protecting your investment, and Cleveland Brown fans can be pissed off all they want because the Baker should be playing, he was hurt, man. What do you want to, if Josh Allen goes down for the Bills, you're not going to sit here telling me, me calling Josh Allen a pussy. He's mm-hmm. he's hurt, man. What do you want him to do? Yep. You know, Baker Mayfield, same type of situation. You are hampering this man uh, for future and the confidence. Once it goes for a quarterback, it's very hard to come back. Yep, and he's a very emotional player that relies on that confidence kind of like a a la cam newton in the past when when he's confident when he's cocky he's hard to stop when he loses it he's not very good and they haven't done him any favors he's tried to to you know be a gamer and and go through the rest of the season and start it but the (laughs) the lack of a run game Mm. you know nick chubb hasn't dropped a pass in two years but yet they the don't want to has, throw to him. They why? Even I with don't know. Hunt hurt. Like, what are we doing this know. year? 24 targets for Nick Chubb. Last year, 18 targets. Now, from a fantasy perspective, I'm going to tell you that that doesn't matter because he's still scoring the fantasy points. But from an offensive scheme perspective, an NFL perspective, that makes no sense to me because it, you would rather, you're telling me that if you're not going to give him 20 touches a game, that you're going to force Baker into making bad decisions and throwing the ball down the field to receivers that he does not have instead of checking down and getting some design screen passes and, and stuff to his running backs. They do it every once in a while with Kareem Hunt. Why they won't do it with Nick Chubb is totally mind-blowing with me because the guy is actually pretty good out of the backfield. Absolutely, and he's uh, he's shown he's not a liability. And what does that actually do? That makes you more creative, and people won't understand when you're doing it. When you have both running backs, Chubb or Hunt, on the field, makes you extremely multidimensional. I will never understand these guys sometimes. I just don't no, get it. Don't either. get it, man. Now you pissed me off. I know. <laughs> You know, go have, a, go, go have a drink, you know, kind of get that pressure back down, you know, thin the blood just a little like bit. Eli Mitchell. I want to talk about him real quick because I liked Mr. Eli Mitchell coming out of the draft. I wasn't over the moon being like, you know, go and get him. But I had him on my watch list on headliner. You shameless plug. But I mean, you know, go subscribe now. Go subscribe now. I really did like him. I I thought his game was good. I didn't think he was going to be able to be a true three down, quote unquote, running back. He is 122 yards away from breaking 1,000 yards in only 10 games. 10 games, he's 122 from 1,000. That, to me, is very impressive, especially on a team. I get it. San Fran's O-line is baller. But playing with a guy like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Playing, you know, and understanding and seeing this offense morph with Debo taking more uh, carries from the backfield. Is he just that good? Or is this one of these things that we're going to talk about him for two or three years 
and then it's just going to be gone. Like, is he going to be one of those guys? I really struggle with the value of Eli Mitchell right now, fantasy football wise, and just, you know, in general football terms. And I think the biggest issue for a lot of people and myself included, I'm trying to vigorously log in as fast as I can to our website, because the biggest issue a lot of people had with Elijah Mitchell coming out was injury concerns. The guy had been banged up all over the place and he just couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay on the field. Uh, but that to me was the biggest thing that's going to hamper him. And we've seen it at times already this year where he may not be that guy that can, they can play all 17, mm. but he's also shown that when he's on the field, he can produce. But the, the thing for me that stands out the most is not so much just him. It's the backfield in general. Look at whoever is back there. <laughs> if it's, it's Raheem true. Mostert, who would, who the hell was Raheem Mostert before everybody knew who he was until he got a chance in San Francisco Nobody knew about it. If you can, if you can stay healthy and you can get touches in the backfield of the San Francisco 49ers, I don't care what your name is. Mm-hmm. You're going to produce volume. It's the way that the offense is built. It's built under Kyle Shanahan and it's very unique. He finds ways. Look at Debo Samuel. He, he will not cross anything off the playlist that he could possibly use Debo Samuel for. I mean, any way that he can be innovative, He's going to do it, and he puts the players in a great position to, to do good. A lot of people hate Jimmy G. Jimmy G does not suck in San Francisco. He may, no, have, he may have a bad game now and again, but the offense and, and Kyle Shanahan put him in a position to succeed, and they do the same thing in the backfield. I hate to say it because I do like the talent of Elijah Mitchell, but he's really just the, the flavor of the month. It's going to yeah. – whoever – ends up you know, getting that job in 2022, that's the flavor of the month next year because it doesn't really matter. I don't think that they're really tied to one individual in this backfield because they know they can pretty much just plug and play at will if they need to. I almost feel like they want to be, though. I feel like uh, Shanahan wants to tie himself to one guy. I feel like, he, like you said, he's just that damn good in his system and his scheme that he's able to put in. I mean, a Jeff Wilson succeeds. J- uh, Jermichael Hasty succeeds in this offense. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this you, you put Jermichael Hasty on the Buffalo Bills, he is dog shit, man. You know yep. this. And, and yep. I mean, it's just how it is, man. It's so good. But Eli is a very big conundrum for me. I think he, if, if he does cross the 1,000, they get in the playoffs and he does more damage. He is one guy that I can see already being overdrafted in fantasy football, but it could also be warranted. I just don't know if I'm willing to take that risk because I feel like there's a lot of safer options over him. But I mean, you, it's hard to argue, man. Ten games, including all the injuries that he's had. I mean, to put up a, a thousand, that's that's pretty damn good. Uh, okay, I finally got it. I finally got to low. So here's his quick injury history. 2016, it was he was in high school. It was an undisclosed injury. Mitchell played in only eight games as a senior due to this injury. 2017, left foot, list Frank fracture, had surgery on it. 2018, a neck strain, which caused him to miss some time. 2019, Achilles tendonitis. I mean, and now all of a sudden we've had the issues we've had somewhat at times this year. It kind of just put him in that saying, uh, is he just kind of waiting to happen? Is it just something that's, uh, he's he's like a Band-Aid, right? He's, yeah. he's going to be good when he's healthy, but we can't really count on it. And especially when you start to look at things with a list foot, a list Frank fracture, an Achilles tendonitis, we're talking about his feet and running backs. Last time I checked, uh, yep, they need their feet. They need like their really, feet. they need their feet. And <laughs> when you start having those lower body injuries uh, for running backs, it just causes some red flags. And I don't think that they think that Elijah Mitchell is the future. I mean, are we already going to write off Trey Sermon? I mean, do we just forget about Trey Sermon? I don't. I don't know if I can do that just yet. Yep. Um, 
I mean, we know, I, I believe, what Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are potentially gone at the end of the year, right? And I think they're both in the final year of their deal. I so they're so. going to have to figure something out because Elijah Mitchell, I don't think, is a guy that could shoulder the load 17 games, 300-plus touches. Uh, I like him, but I don't think that... I don't think this is going to be something we see every year from him. Yeah, man. I mean, he's at what one eighty six, and you're 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 stretching it at two twenty. I think for carries to to keep him mm-hmm. upright for the whole year. I, I gotta agree. We can't leave an episode without talking about your Arizona Cardinals, man. We yeah, gotta we do Let's, it. Hey, it's been great, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. We we took a short break and we're back because Jake mm-hmm. needs to talk about his Arizona Cardinals. Because that's what we do, man. You know, me and Rem, we usually spit up, you know, the Patriots and the Bills a lot. And, you know, we need some flavor here. You're a, you're a Cardinals mm-hmm. fan. They come off a big dub. 25-22 versus the Dallas Cowboys. Little controversy at the end with a fumble that should have been a fumble, was not called a fumble. Well, not a fumble. We'll take it. And you will, you'll definitely take it, man. But, I mean, coming off the three-game losing streak, massive in Dallas, that, that showed a lot of heart and fight in this team. I mean, the defense played extremely well. My issue with the Cardinals over the last four games and a little bit better against Dallas was the lack of creativity in Cliff Kingsbury. And you know me, I'm a Kingsbury guy. I'm I'm a truther. I I believe that he is one of these guys that when he's hitting on all cylinders, he's in the in the Shanahan McVay type of deal. I just don't understand what's going on. And we can't put it all on D-Hop because for me, D-Hop has been in and out. He's been hampered. Yes, he's been on the field at times when he was hurt and he was playing that decoy role a little bit, which opened up everything. But we'll look, man, We've unless it's like, you know, Kyler has had the book on him now that you, you kind of rush on the outside and contain him. You're not fully uh, allowing him to go and you clog up the middle a little bit, but you're not allowing him to roll out. I've seen this to be quite a big problem the last four games for him. Is this a concern for you going into the postseason? Because as a Cardinals fan, I I, I got to think you got to feel a little uneasy. Uh, yeah, 100%. But honestly, I put 100% of it back on to Cliff Kingsbury. What are we like? What are we doing on offense? Okay, so I understand you lose DeAndre Hopkins. That's a huge loss. But we've now wasted picks in two out of the three last years with Andy Isabella and Rondell Moore. Mm. Are they not going to? We'd rather use Antoine Wesley. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Wesley is playing pretty good. Sure. Yeah. For not even really knowing who the hell that guy was, he's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. I I understand. Good for him. And Christian Kirk still out there in the slot as well. AJ Green, honestly, there's certain routes where he looks elite. There's certain routes where he looks like he doesn't care. Like it's just there was a deep ball down the field this past week. And I think had he laid one hander. Yeah. Yeah. He he had it. Like he had the room there to get it. And like the effort just wasn't there. And that's what really pisses me off is we're continually throwing the ball down the field to AJ green instead of figuring out ways to get the ball in Rondell Moore's hands, other than just giving it to him four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like let's get this guy, the ball out in space so some, some quick slants, some, some quick out routes, whatever it is, try to see if he can make a play, mm-hmm. but they're so stuck in their ways. It's like, he's stubborn right now. And he won't, he, he thinks that AJ green is now Deandre Hopkins and he's just not the defense. <sighs> I like the defense, but I think the defense lost their identity when J.J. Watt got hurt. Mm. I think they kind of lost some of their swagger a little bit. They didn't. They're still playing well, but it's like their emotional leader is gone. And it just kind of, I think, just took a little bit of wind out of their sails. Their secondary has been suspect at times. But uh, overall, I don't think it's the defense's fault. Personally, I'm, I'm looking solely on the offense. This has been an offense that's been among the league leaders for years. It's ever, with Kingsbury and Murray, they put up points. They put up yards. And they're just not because they're just being too damn stubborn right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost I, I hate saying it this way because 
I hate discounting it to say, you know, a guy's playing injured and this is what they're doing. Maybe it is truth that Kyler still is hampered from that ankle injury. And like, we don't even see him taking off, you know, Jackrabbit style like we used to as much. Okay, I get it. You got to protect him now. You're a little bit more weary. If he takes a hit, now you're out of the playoffs because it's going to be one and done because you don't have Kyler Murray. I get it, man. I get all these scenarios. But I'm with you, man. I don't get why don't you do a double slot movement here with Isabella and, and Rondale? I don't why get did it. Why did you draft him? Why did you draft him? Agreed. I don't get it, man. He is one of I called him the electrician when I scouted this man because he is that damn good. The bubble screens. Get, get at it with these sweeps already. The quick pitches across the, the center when the ball snapped. Like enough with this crap already. Do the little, you know, pick plays, get him open, and, and let him work with his feet in the open field. Like, okay, why? Why don't you try it? Isabella, who Whose, whose wife did he sleep with to yeah. not even see the field anymore, Jake? He never even saw the field to begin with. I mean, they traded Josh Rosen, which I don't yeah. hate, yeah. for Andy Isabella to get him there in the second round. And a- Andy Isabella was a very decorated college wide receiver. He is not the biggest dude, but apparently they don't care about size in Arizona, right? We got a short quarterback. We got some short wide receivers. It is what it is. Size but, does not matter. So I've heard. Um, That's what she said. Yeah, exactly. I just don't. I think it it's a new thing in the NFL. Look at how many teams it just seems like the coaches are trying to, to outthink things or to just to get too cute instead of just doing what works. Football has been around for a very long time. There's no need to reinvent it in 2021, 2022, whatever you want to say. It's, it's kind of disheartening, but I think one of the things that hurt the Cardinals the most was their hot start and they clinched the playoffs. They kind of knew that they were going to make it. Uh, And I think it just caused them to just chillax a little bit and Mm. just, take their foot off the pedal way too early. Maybe in my, my fan heart here, I'm hoping that this is all like a plan. Like, Hey, we know we're just going to kick back. We've got, we're going to, we just want to get in the playoffs we're, we don't care about the number one seed. We're just going to get there, but we're going to let everybody get healthy by the time that we get there and then come, you know, the playoffs will flip the switch and, and go back to the offense that we used to be. But the longer this continues, like honestly, it was a great win against Dallas, but sure. I'm not even that. Dallas had already clinched. Did Dallas really care? Like, I don't think Dallas. I think they cared, but they knew they weren't going to get the number one seed. So what are they really playing for? I, 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 I don't know. I don't put too much into that. It was great to get another win, but I, I am very worried heading into the playoffs. Yes. It's funny you said as a fan, you're thinking, you know, we're kind of hiding what we're doing right now. Yeah. So we don't we're give just, away. We're just concealing everything. Nobody's I, I feel, I feel that way about my bills, man. I feel like, look, Devin Singletary goes 23 for over a hundred and two touchdowns on the, on Sunday. And I get it. It's the Falcons. They were playing, but look, man, they can obviously do it when they want to. Maybe this is part of the grandmaster mm-hmm. plan. Don't show too much. Get in the playoffs. And now we're a running team. Like nobody's business. I don't, there you go. I, that's what I'm going to hope for. Yeah. I don't, think it's going to happen because there's nothing (laughs) there's literally nothing that i can point at like factual that can say this is kind of what i'm seeing because i mean unless they really are just playing antoine wesley because they don't want anybody to know about rondell more i don't know like i antoine wesley ain't gonna win us a super bowl i can tell you that 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 ain't gonna be enough to cut it and as as much as i like to see the guy go out there and succeed like it still terrifies me that he's even getting targets because this is like, Oh God, like this is what my life has come to is Antoine Wesley targets. Wesley's going to be the new Wes Welker for this. Exactly. Apparently. I don't know what he's not going to do that. (laughs) Two more things I want to talk about is the MVP race, man. And I really am interested because, you know, we're starting to see a lot of chatter and I mean, it's the goat. We know he's in the conversation. 
I'll, I'll ramble some of these stats off. So Tom Brady, 4,990 yards, 40 TDs, 12 interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, he's got to be in the list. He's 3,977, 35 touchdowns, four interceptions. I got to put my boy Josh Allen in here because I don't know why people are ignoring it. He gets snubbed from the Pro Bowl, but he look at his, these numbers, man. 4,168, 34, and 15. And then he also rushes 117 for 706. How can you not put that in the MVP race, man? Cam Newton won it for less than that, guys. Come on, give me a break. My boy is in this. JT, 317, 17, 34 in yardage, 18 touchdowns in Cooper Cup. Just an astronomical season, 138, 18, 29, and 15 TDs. That's kind of my five right now in this MVP race. I mean, are we already starting to say Joe Burrow in this too? Because I've heard some people say it. I think that's kind of a little bit of a reach, but this is kind of my five. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the five. I kind of, I kind of hate how it's typically just always a quarterback. Mm. Like I get that. I mean, they're the most important player on the field. But to me, honestly, if you look at the entire roster for the length of the season. It's hard for me to not put Jonathan Taylor at the top of that because that he is their offense. Like if if there is no Jonathan Taylor, does Naheem Hines or at the beginning of the season Marlon Mack does he do what JT did? Hell no, no. not even remotely close. I mean, they have an offensive line to run behind. They utilized it for the entire season. Every single week they relied on Jonathan Taylor and he carried them a lot of the way he's eating up time of possession. He was, he was doing so much that they weren't, wasn't forcing Carson Wentz to go out there and be Baker Mayfield, trying to throw the ball down the field and make a bunch of mistakes. It's like, he just made that overall offense what it is. Now, if they can't get it done and get into the playoffs, that's going to be a problem uh, for him. And I think Tom Brady walks away with it again, um, personally, but uh, it's hard because I mean, Brady has all the statistical achievements, but he also had a stacked deck to start the season. And that's where it's kind of, I don't know what, how you want to say it, but I it's mean, it's tough. I know. I mean, it's one of those things where I think it's more optics than anything. And, the, and the NFL knows that they're kind of, they kind of got to give it to Brady. You know I mean? Even though I don't necessarily agree that even though he had a great season, I don't mind Josh Allen being in there at all. I think what hurt Josh Allen was the play of that team over the last four five, six weeks where it Agreed. just seemed like, like they, they start slow every week or they, they give up leads or they get too close. It just seems like I think that had something. Had they gone out there and gone, what thirteen and three or whatever it is, then I don't think we're having this conversation. I think that, I think he walks away with it, and, and it's Josh Allen's to lose. But I think the struggles with the team just put that sour taste in people's mouth. Uh, me, if it's me, I would love to see Jonathan Taylor get it. Cooper Cup, great season, but I think that you can put a lot of people in that same position in that offense, and they could still have great years. I don't know if they'd have that great of a year, mm-hmm. but. I think if that team, if that team loses Cooper Cup instead of Robert Woods, what is Robert Woods' numbers? I have a feeling they'd be pretty dang good as well. Maybe See, not to that extent, yeah. But it's kind of just plug and play in that offense. I don't think you can do that in Indianapolis. I love the point because that to me is the MVP. If you remove the player from the squad, how will it be affected? Mm-hmm. Can Tampa Bay win without Tom Brady on this loaded offense? I think they can. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? Probably no, not, no. but you know, at least they can still do what they need to do. 
Josh Allen, to me, I agree with you. If they didn't lose to the Jags, I think that one was the big one that kind of left everybody be like, yeah, you guys are not for real. And and then all of a sudden they come back, you know, the QB sneak versus the Tennessee Titans doesn't get it. You know, if you if you beat those teams, I agree with you. I think that everyone's talking like because they're starting to talk ever since they beat the New England Patriots. And I don't understand that, man. You're beating Mac Jones and everyone's talking. Oh, the Bills, they're back. They beat mm-hmm. a rookie quarterback and Bill Belichick in New England. Get the hell out of here, man. That was our game to lose. Anyway, because what you're talking about a windstorm that was like a typhoon in Buffalo. Come on. Yep. Let's 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 be real. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers to me right now, even though he's going to if he does play, if he doesn't, he's finishing off uh, subpar 4000. So that means basically Tom Brady, by the time he's done, is going to have like 1500 yards more than him. Mm-hmm. But if you remove Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers, I think that team really does struggle. We've seen Jordan Love, you know, they were playing the Chiefs with Love, didn't look as good. Mm-mm. But you remove Jonathan Taylor from the Indianapolis Colts, and that team, I could sit here in five wins, six wins. Maybe. 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 And that's, that is generous. Because you have to think of how many wins did he get them just because he was able to extend drives and keep the clock running. Like, yeah. Exactly. That's the biggest thing to me is like he, you know, when, when you start looking at the quarterback positions and you're not going to like me saying this, but like, okay, so who would start behind Brady? Kyle Trask? Like, okay. Okay. But he, but he stacked on offense. You got uh, Aaron Rodgers behind him. You got Jordan Love. You have a playoff caliber quarterback behind the Bills. You still have Mitch Trubisky. Mitchie I mean, Biscuits. I know, I, know. I know Mitchie Biscuits is not sexy by any no. means, but you have a quarterback willing and ready to go if Josh Allen were to go down that has made it to the playoffs before and gone 11 and three as a starter in a season that's like right. he still has to me I think that's where it kind of hampers Josh Allen a little bit is because if Josh Allen goes down I think the Bills still have a chance I don't know if you can say that about the others and yeah I mean it's easy when you're throwing the ball to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Devontae Adams and you know you got Aaron Jones and all kinds of options Gronk all over the I mean you got plenty of options around these other guys but Jonathan Taylor, to me, is just it's been a special season for him. It has, man. And if he was able to break, I mean, it's likely not going to happen now. What does he need? Just over 200 yards to get to two grand. But you got to have it. Didn't point, we say that for Henry last year at this point? We did. Absolutely. And they're playing Jacksonville this week, right? And they've mm-hmm. ne- hint, hint, they've never beaten the Jaguars, the Colts in, in, mm-hmm. in uh, Jacksonville in how long? What, seven years, eight years? So, I mean, it's it, this is going to be interesting stuff. But, I mean, if he does go over the 2,000-yard mark. And the Colts are in a must-win. they got to win. That's correct. So they got to play for something. That's right. So this is an MVP moment again for Jonathan Taylor, 100%. If he goes over the t- uh, 20 touchdown mark, I think that's a very damn impressive. Come on, not everybody's going to be like LaDainian Tomlinson rushing, rushing for like 35 touchdowns in a season to get the mm-hmm. MVP, right? But that's that's kind of the ceiling and the standard you have to be at a running back to win this damn shit. I, I just don't agree, but... For me, I, I I hate that they're gonna give it to Tommy again. Like, just come on, man! It's enough already. Give it to give it to JT. It's gonna be Tom Brady MVP, JT Offensive Player of the Year. Watch. And would it also surprise me if they give it to Aaron again, being that he just won it? And what did he do to lose it? Right. Like, if you look at it that way, if you're looking at talking like a, a championship belt, the guy won the championship. What did he do to lose it? This I don't. Nothing really. because his passing yardage is lower. Okay, right. well, he still won more games and didn't have to throw it as much. So should we penalize him for that? I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers now, personally, and this is like has nothing to do with football. I could see the NFL screwing Aaron Rodgers because of the optics side of it with the whole COVID issue more so than any mm. other thing. 
Yeah, I, I could see that. NFL. I petty. could see him being held back from that and not winning just for the the sole reason of all the COVID issues surrounding him the end of this season, and then you know Brady or JT get it by default. Yeah, I could see that, man, because they don't want a poster boy that's had controversy with something they were trying to push. I get it. And optics, t- baby. It's all optics. optics. It's all optics, money, and all greed. business. Yeah, we know this. Business is what matters. So I got you here, man. Super Bowl prediction time, man. What are we doing? Who's winning? We got one oh week God. left. The playoffs are starting. I love it, man. My juices are pumping. I might have a heart attack. You might not see me after the Bills. They better make it. I swear to God. But what are you doing, man? man? What's your uh, prediction? <laughs> man, this is tough. There's so this is like for the first time in a long time. Mm where you can go into the playoffs and there's legit five or six teams that all have a really good shot at winning it. Yeah. It's not like, all right, who's going to beat the chiefs who's going to knock off the chiefs. Like it's not, it's not that it's not that anymore. It's not that this year, there are so many teams. I mean, the Rams are playing good football right now. I mean, but can you count out green Bay and Aaron Rodgers? We just talked about them, about them. You got Tom Brady. I mean, that's, there's they almost, they teams. almost lost to the jets. Like, come on, like, look what's I, going on. Exactly. I mean, but all of a sudden when you put, Guys with that amount of experience and playoff pressure, I could see them rising to the occasion more so than I could see somebody. I hate to say it, but I, I could see Kyler Murray fold under pressure more than I can see Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like I could see that being more so. I could see Jalen Hurts folding before one of those guys, even though they may have a, a better opportunity. The Eagles are obviously better than the Jets, but it would that would be a struggle potentially, you know what I mean? So yep. if I'm looking at it right now and I had to guess who makes the Super Bowl, it's hard to not look <laughs> at it as a way that I would, I, this is what I want to see. Cause yeah, I yeah. think if that's what you want, that's what you want to do it, man. I know, but I'm saying, but when you look at it, like I think a fun game to watch would be like Cincinnati and LA. Like I'd like to watch Ooh. Joe Burrow against Ooh. Sean McVay and the Rams. Like Ooh. from a fan perspective, yes. I mean, I would think that that would be exciting to watch. Obviously, I want the Cardinals to be there, but I'm going to be realistic. I mean, I know you're a Bills guy, but I mean, like, we've seen it before. You know what I mean? Like yep. from a fan perspective, I'm like, what would be the most exciting game to watch? And to me, even though I don't think Cincinnati, LA make it, I think that that would be a super fun Super Bowl to watch. And there would be so many storylines, oh, so fantastic. many things to dis- yeah. so much, so much newness. I'm using a word called newness right now that it would be exciting. I mean, I don't know if people want to see Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers still. I know there's a ton of Cowboys fans, but if you, if you're not a Cowboys fan, you absolutely hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see unfortunately Arizona or Philadelphia making a run at it. The Patriots. I don't think Mac Jones is ready for the playoffs. Agreed. Personally, I think I think he's by far the best rookie quarterback, and he's going to have a great career. I don't know if it's going to happen right away this year. Mahomes and the Chiefs have struggled. The Titans, I think, have just gotten lucky. Agreed. I mean, the Titans just they have just gotten so lucky. I totally agree. And the best team right now, I mean, the Bengals are playing great, and they're confident. They're cocky. Joe Burrow smoking cigars in the locker room again. <laughs> doing I mean, the it, doing yeah, the dance. I love doing it. The dance. Yeah. I mean, it just seems it, when you're looking at it that it could set up for a great story overall in the NFL. Not to say that it's scripted or anything, but yeah. <laughs> yeah heaven forbid we talk conspiracy theory because yeah, exactly. I'm but with I'm, you I mean, though. I, I think that's I like absolutely to. fantastic, man. I mean, remember the game we had uh, KC at LA when mm-hmm. it, that huge Monday nighter, that's what that game would be. With it could Cincinnati be like 55 53 and be like, yeah. that would be so much fun. Yeah. You have Burrow and, uh, and Stafford going back and forth at each other. You got tons of offensive weapons. I mean, it could be fun to watch. 
It would be fun. That but, would I like. But it. I don't think it happens. No, I don't think it happens either. <laughs> but it, happens. That would be. I love that you're you're the only one that's saying it too, man. I've been saying the Tennessee Titans schedule's been soft, oh, and I mean, so they gotten so lucky, so lucky, man. I mean, Foreman when he's right, yeah, he's been running. He's been running well. I'm not gonna discredit the guy, but I mean, come on, man. If it wasn't for the Bills, we would have put them out of their misery. If Josh Allen would have got one yard on a freaking QB sneak, that we helped you guys, Tennessee fans. You're welcome. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I'm not want to take anything away from the Titans. I mean, the fact that they're even this close after losing Derrick Henry, sure. not really having Julio, they lost AJ Brown for some time. They've, put, mean, they've, they've done it. Yeah, you got to give them credit. I, I give them credit for it. I just think that overall, they have benefited the, the second half of the year. Let's see. They've uh, let's see. Got the Jags in there. Got the Texans in there. Dolphins. Jags again, the Jets, Dolphins. See? They, yeah, the, the Bills. I mean, they beat the Bills. Barely. Frig, come on. They beat the Chiefs. So, I mean, they've had some key victories. I mean, if you, that's really where I think they, they made it right there. When you look at week six, seven, eight, and nine, mm-hmm. that's where they made the playoffs because they beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Rams. That's right in four straight weeks that's that was, they, that was still with king henry so i mean yep. at that at that point that's expected but yep that's when they that's they sealed their playoff fate sure. back then because yeah. it hasn't been even though they've still been winning games it, it, it hasn't been pretty no it has not. they've been grinding it out like a yeah month. oh yep. man so you're going with that as your super bowl prediction or just the one you want to see i mean do i have to make you got to man God, put, i mean put it on a limb Okay, fine. If I had to say realistically, not just what I want, but what I think happens, I'm going. Mm. Don't uh, do it. Don't do it. Uh, we can't see Brady again. Don't do it. I'm not, I'm going to say it's the Packers. I like. I like. I mean, you want you want me to say the Bills? I do. I, I do. You want me to say the Bills and. Mm. I'm, I, I, I still got to give it to the Chiefs. I get it. I get it. I, mean, I don't want to. I know. I get it. I, it. You know what? Even the game versus Cincinnati, it's something of a sidestep. I mean, that defense didn't really understand what they were up against. That's what I really fully believe. And I'm really big on experience. Sure. And yep. A lot of these teams are going to be going in there with not a lot of playoff experience. And the Chiefs got it. And the Chiefs, you know. If they're if they're getting home games in Arrowhead in the playoffs, it's going to be hard to beat them. So the only the only caveat I'm going to put on my Bills, and it is a little bit of a homer speak, I get it, but my Bills were built to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that's why they struggled a lot this year because they neglected every other team in the NFL. <laughs> they can be the Chiefs, and that's we can it. we could just you know we could cakewalk everyone else, but as long as we can beat those Chiefs. This is what we're building this team for. And I think if they meet them again, whether they already did it once in KC, I get it. Winning twice against one team in one season is tough, but going back to their home, doing it twice, yes, it's going to be difficult. But if they don't make mistakes, Josh Allen is the key. If they can run this freaking ball, run the ball like I told you guys to, at least get yourself four yards per carry. That changes everything in this offense. Mm-hmm. Now you got RPOs, now you got play action, and you got a plethora of wide receivers, man. Play Gabe Davis, please. He to me, if the Bills are going to make a run, Gabe Davis could be your team MVP because he's just that one guy. He can make plays all over that field on that offense. But losing Trey White really does hurt us against the uh, the Chiefs for sure. Yep, that, that's going to be a, a big knock for them, and it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I think for the first time, like we said, going into the playoffs, 
there's a lot that could happen, but I'm still going to stick by it. And the reason I chose the Packers is I started this year by saying Aaron Rodgers was going to come out and start the discount double suck it tour. And he's led the Packers to the best record in the NFL. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my original fruition though. And I'm going to say the Packers going to win it. I, I like it. I, I, Hey man, Aaron, he's only got one. He said this was the last dance and you know, he even said retirement's not out of the question, man. So 35 and fourth interceptions, I think. And when you look at their crazy. team, the, yep. the defense is getting healthy. That's right. They have a solid run game. I think AJ Dillon's kind of like an X factor here this mm. off season. Yes. If you've got to deal about cold weather games, the last thing you want to do is stand in front of AJ Dillon 20 times. And so I think that that's really going to set him up. Nobody can guard Devonte Adams. I don't think it matters who's on the other side, whether it's Alan Lazard or MVS, it doesn't matter. All doesn't you need matter. is, all you need is that that Devontae Adams connection and those two running backs, and paired with that defense, they're going to be they're going to be tough with home field advantage in Green Bay. I totally agree, man. Jerry Alexander coming back, Smith, Preston Smith coming back. They're just they're going to get loaded and they're going to get hot at the right time. And, and they're playing a lot of teams used to hot weather. That's Chris. right. They're that's playing right. L.A. Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys, Arizona Cardinals. I mean, these oh, guys baby. do not want to go play in Lambeau in January, February. Like they don't want to do. Ain't that. no palm trees in Lambeau Field. <laughs> no. no, so they're going to be frozen. <laughs> that's right, man. So this, hey, you know what? This is the year if they don't do it, man. I could see Aaron saying bye-bye because I can see it too. If he wins, I think he stays. I think he goes back to green Bay. If they win this one. Really? I do. I believe it. I think that's, that's kind of the standard. I think if we get it, I'm going to come back and we'll try it again. Hmm. That's interesting. I like it. I could see him getting it and saying peace out. I told you (laughs) I could do it. I told you I could do it. it. Suck it. Get the (laughs) hell out of you. Exactly. But that's it, man. That's all I got on this one, man. It's good having you on again, as always. Absolutely. Hopefully I get invited back at some point in this offseason. Oh, it's an open invitation. You know this. I'll just click the, the Zoom link whenever I see it. <laughs> whenever you see it, man, it pops <laughs> up. Just jump on it. But anyway, let's close this one. I'm out, out one. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Jake on Twitter at FNTSY headliners. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Jake, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.